Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. In case you haven't heard, we got new beautiful anonymous merch available over on podswag.com, baby. Podswag is your one-stop shop for clothing, accessories, and novelty items from all your favorite podcasts. Specifically, we got brand new mugs inspired by some awesome fan art. You're gonna love them. And they're shatterproof. I know a lot of you guys, Tuesday mornings, you listen to Beautiful Anonymous while you wake up. You get one of these mugs. You put your tea in there. You mix in some honey like I do. You listen to your favorite show, Beautiful Anonymous. You can get them now at podswag.com. And while you're at it, check out our Beautiful Anonymous tees, prints, pins, and more. Hello to all my aerialists flying high up in the sky. This is Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. Go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. My name's Chris Gethard. You're listening to Beautiful Anonymous. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It. Thanks for pushing play. Thanks for letting this be a part of my life because I continue. Two years in, I continue to be blown away at what I get to experience with this show, talking to people one on one, remembering everybody's got a story. Feeling like uh, I get to help you guys be a fly on the wall to listen to actual human experiences in a world that seems to be getting progressively less empathetic with each passing day. I really thank you guys. So genuinely, thank you. Last week's episode, I really liked it, and I was glad you guys dug it too. A lot of people really loved that caller telling us about what it's like to uh, live in Japan and to sort of be stuck in between. Uh, I thought it was really cool. And a lot of people were, I, I was really blown away too. A lot of people on the Beautiful Anonymous Facebook group, the community there, which you should join if you want to talk about these episodes, a lot of people were saying, oh, I live in Japan and this nails it. This is interesting to hear. A lot of people actually leaving comments that I don't know what they said because they were in Japanese. It's really cool to see. My favorite comment, the one that made me laugh, I had pointed out that uh, that our caller last week had a bit of a, maybe a California accent. I was, I was sensing maybe whoever taught them in their, in their early formative days of English uh, had that accent. Andrea left a comment that said, this guy didn't just kind of have a Southern California accent. He sounded like he was currently on a surfboard. That one made me giggle. Thank you for that, Andrea. Thanks for being a part of that group. Thanks to everybody who's a part of that group. Uh, Chris Gethard Show, as always, like to plug it because Tuesdays have officially become the craziest day of my week because we have beautiful anonymous in the morning. And the Chris Gethard Show live on True TV, 11 p.m. at night. And uh, this is coming out April 3rd. Got a big show tonight, Will Ferrell. We got Will Ferrell coming through. That's no joke. Musical guest Chris Farron, old friend of the show. So uh, if you want to set the DVR, see your old pal Gethard trying to keep his head above water, keeping up with the comedic institution that is Will Ferrell. You're going to get a kick out of that one. Tonight, show you're about to hear, I was super psyched. This is one of our live shows that happened at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Tell you, those crowds came out in Brooklyn. Thank you guys for supporting the show. It's so cool to meet all you guys and uh, just be in the same room with so many warm people, let alone my own home turf. 
New York City. Bell House, a place where I performed. Crowd was hot. Caller was really great. I tell you, uh, Jared, Harry, the whole team had a, had a really brilliant idea of uh, maybe coming up with some international numbers. We've used them a couple times. This live show was actually, we, uh, we put out the American number and an Australian phone number. We just also floated out an Australian number, and it was the first time that I uh, got a call through that. So that was really cool to be sitting there in my, my home turf, Brooklyn, New York, talking with someone on the other side of the world about what it's like. This is a person from Tasmania place that I had, I will cop to, largely ignorant of outside of cartoons and footage of uh, crazy animals. Got to hear about what it was like to travel with the circus. That was cool, right? Running away with the circus is like an archetype. It's like a trope. It's a phrase. This person actually did that, ran away with the circus, told us about that circus life, and told us about what it's like to move on from that whole new life. I liked it. I thought the caller was cool. I thought the crowd was hot. I had a good time. Felt like a real celebration. Thank you guys for supporting this show. I hope you enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi, how are you? Hello? Yes, hi. No freaking way, is it me? (laughs) Yeah, you got through. (laughs) Oh my God. This is unbelievable. I'm so ready for this. I just sent my boss an email saying I'm on lunch now and I'm walking out the door with my sunglasses because this day just got awesome. Where are you from? Yeah, hi, where are you from? (laughs) You haven't guessed yet? (laughs) Can you guess it? You you gotta guess. Everyone in Brooklyn is yelling Australia. (laughs) They are all correct. All correct. (laughs) All correct. There was one person who tried to yeah. slip into New Zealand at the end. Wrong. Ooh, nah. Wrong. <laughs> well, well, you know, they could have been like half right. Because I'm actually from Tasmania. It's like a little island on the bottom of Australia. Wow. So but... we, ha- we have a little bit of independent island pride like the Kiwis. But, yeah, we're not Kiwi. <laughs> wow. So you're, uh, you're from Tasmania, but you, you live in Australia currently? No, I'm in, I'm in Tasmania. Oh, you're in Tasmania. Tasmania is Australia. So everyone was actually wrong. Everyone was actually wrong. No, they're right. Tasmania is Australia. Oh, I thought Tasmania was its own nation. <laughs> uh, we'd like to think so, but no, sorry. <laughs> we're, we're just a state. <laughs> okay, well, you learn something new every day. Um, I wanted to let you know, you yeah. clearly picked up on this already. Um, just there is a crowd here. Uh, they're all very friendly. Yeah. They've, they've all got your back. Um, the, only, <laughs> the, only difference, uh, the only difference between this and a regular call is that um, they can use their um, phones to send me questions for you throughout. So I might, I might at times go to their questions Throughout. Oh, like, that's fun. They're using a hashtag, which someone actually just used to tell me, um, Catherine in the crowd tonight said, Chris Gethers dressed like a big boy Charlie Brown. Um, <laughs> so they're contributing things like that tonight. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's, Lucky for you. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, I'm kind of I'm glad that I got through this uh, at this time because I, 
I'm pretty new to the podcast, so I haven't really listened to loads. I've listened to some, um, and I'm really getting into it, but I feel like I'm getting to know you loads, and I feel like that might ruin the magic a bit. I thought it would be cool if I didn't know you at all, but I know some things about you now. Like, I, I'm pretty keen to tell you about platypuses. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or platypi, because uh-huh. you, you're interested in them, right? Well, um, uh, 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 when, when I, you said platypuses, correct? Yeah, I think I think it is platypuses, not or platypi. Either way, I, I find them to be a fascinating yet somewhat terrifying animal. Um, from what I've seen, they look well, like how a are thing. They terrifying. Well, they look like a thing that shouldn't exist on Earth. <laughs> um, yeah, but just because they're not very common, right? Like, I'm sure if a human, there was only like three humans, we'd be like, they're weird with pink. <laughs> fleshy things and no nothing to defend themselves with except brains but they're not going to win in a fight with teeth and claws are they you've got some great points there now is a platypus a thing that you just run into from time to time in tasmania (laughs) i really want to bullshit you and say it is but it's not sorry they're pretty rare i grew up here and i saw one kind of like i think it was a platypus when i was growing up and then when I moved back here with my fiancé in my mid-twenties, I saw three in the first year. So I think, actually, he's a bit of a platypus attractor. Ooh, wow. That's cool. That's a sign that you're marrying yeah. the right person, right? <laughs> it's got to be, surely. I'm taking it as a win. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do you feel that most Americans only know your island via a cartoon character known as the Tasmanian Devil? Um, well, yeah, I, I just tell people that it's not brown, it doesn't spin, and it doesn't go, because <laughs> um, it's none of those things. Um, and also, a lot of people think that we're in Africa. I get that a lot. They think Tasmania is Tanzania. Ah, got it, got it. That makes sense. Someone in it's the crowd really just not. yelled sorry, because they clearly <laughs> thought that up until this moment. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to clarify, so now all those people know the truth. You're filling us in. It's awfully nice of you. And I'll tell you, you got this crowd charmed already, and I think we're going to have a hell of an hour together. I'm excited about it. Shucks, guys. (laughs) Now, what is uh, anything you wanted to... Should we just shoot the breeze, or was there anything specific you wanted to fill us in on? Oh, God. You know, this could go in so many different directions. So many different ways, I think. Mm -hmm. Um... And I don't even know where to start. I'm at work, so I was, like, kind of listening to the first bit of the show, but not really, um, because I had you on speaker next to my computer um, as I was trying to work out um, how to explain consent to high school kids. Wait, how to explain what to high school kids? Consent. That's your job. Right. Yes, I am familiar, I I assure you. I assure you. (laughs) Good, I, I hope so. Yeah, yes. Oh, I right. I certainly hope so. Yeah, I mean, that's a, pre- that's a pretty important gig these days, huh? Yeah, I feel like I'm contributing something positive to the world. I really like it. It's actually new. Um, I only started last year, but um, my previous skill set applies quite well to this job. So, yeah. Well, that's an interesting tidbit you just tangled out there. What's your, what's your previous <laughs> skill set? Yeah, um, I'm, I spent most of my career thus far as a circus performer, actually. As a circus performer? 
And <laughs> yeah, and I know your wife does some aerials, right? Yeah, my wife has done a bunch of aerials. Cool. Well, yeah, that's that's my main thing. So I toured around Europe for about ten years doing that. You and then, did. That's awesome. Yeah. What was and then your, I got tired of traveling. <laughs> what was your act? You did a lot of aerials. Uh, what? What's? Are we? Were we talking? Uh, Silks here? Are we talking? What's the one? It's not called a hula hoop. They call right. it something else, right? Lyra. Yeah, it's got loads of names. Yeah. Yeah, a lira. Lira, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, I didn't really do static aerial. Um, that's like where the thing is static in the air and you move around it. Um, okay. I did more dynamic aerial. So I did like swinging trapeze and flying trapeze. That's the badass stuff. Dead. Now, can I ask yeah, you I know, something? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I Can I ask you something here? And I'm not trying to put words in my, in my wife's mouth, but via being married to her, I've hung out with a number of aerialists. I get the sense sometimes that there's a little bit of like a ranking system of the acts here. Like, do you look at the stationary people? And, <laughs> do you look at the stationary acts people and you're like, come on, man, let's get, your, get in it for real or get out? Um, no, actually, in my brain, it goes the other way because um, I, since I moved back home, I started teaching and we don't really have the capacity for swinging trapeze or flying trapeze here, like we know in the space. So I've been getting into static aerial and teaching it and before I just use it as conditioning and it's hard, it's so hard. <laughs> it's way harder than swinging because I guess with swinging and flying, you use the momentum, so as long as you move at the right time, then it kind of does the work for you. But with static aerial, you've got to lift your own body weight the whole time, and that's really exhausting. So no. I would say it's the other way. But sure, yeah, I'm way more badass. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. Were, so were you, were, you, um, were you being facetious, or do you, do you actually say that your, your skills as an aerial-born circus performer – do apply and help you with your new career as someone who explains consent to teenagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I realize it's a bit of a leap, um, but I've been a teacher like forever. Uh, the crowd I thought you were making really an aerialist drawn. pun. Just so you know, the oh, crowd. Oh, really? How did you, I do it? When you said making a leap, I think they were like fucking aerialists. Oh my Always God. talk about leaping. Yeah, I totally did. God yeah. forbid you stay so, on the ground. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to make a, a little tangent here. I do not understand innuendo. I don't get it. I don't see it. And I don't hear it. And I make inappropriate comments all the time when I'm talking to high school kids. And they'll all start laughing. And I have no idea why. And my co-presenter will look at me and be like, yeah, you said something pretty inappropriate. <laughs> and yeah, I have to apologize because I, I really don't get it. And then I make stupid puns like that and I don't hear them and everybody laughs and I have to go, ah, yeah, I don't know what they <laughs> That's so, so how does your, how does your experience as a traveling circus performer help with, uh, relating, okay. <laughs> relating to kids on a serious issue? Um, well, I think it's mainly got to do with speaking with large groups and like relating to large groups. And I love kids. I think they're way more interesting than adults. They've always got more exciting things to say and less inhibitions. So that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I think I just get to hang out with awesome groups. And then they're really curious, you know. They want to know about sex and relationships. And 
lots of adults have a hard time talking to them about that stuff because it's embarrassing or whatever, but it's just another facet of life. So, yeah. Um, as soon as you start speaking to kids in a grounded, matter-of-fact, adult way about these things, they're totally fine and cool and, yeah, you can help them a lot, which is awesome. But I guess the transferable skill is um, engaging them because, like, we do activities and stuff with younger kids. Like, um, I don't know how the American school system works, but our primary school kids, they're, like, 10 to 12, and we do games like where we're throwing a ball around the room and talking about what good intimacy is and what bad intimacy is. And then, like, um, we do this one really cool activity where we talk about being safe online and what happens to stuff once you put it online and, yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. That's scary. you got to teach a 10-year-old about revenge porn. That's a scary thing. <sighs> um, yeah, we don't really talk explicitly about porn and sex in primary schools because obviously there's some issues there and like a little bit of some people think we should be talking to them some people think we shouldn't but um yeah we just we talk about intimacy and consent and hopefully they make their own links about what that means in an online sense and and in their everyday lives like the it's a I work for like a rape crisis center, so we have a sexual harm prevention approach. And uh, yeah, I know way too much about child abuse, but it certainly informs the information that I give young people to keep them safe. Well, that's a really beautiful thing. I would have to imagine this year, it must be very, it must be a very uh, interesting year for you in this job because I feel like the whole conversation about consent has kind of uh, come up for air in a way that it really never has before this year. And I would imagine, is that, are you and your coworkers constantly kind of uh, monitoring that stuff and seeing how it's adjusting the conversations you have? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the place I work does a lot of stuff, not just the training department where I work. Um, but it's it's pretty bittersweet, like, it's actually pretty awesome that it's so in the media at the moment um, because it's opened the conversation and people know what you're talking about. It's like rather than coming in cold and being like, okay, we're going to talk about sexual harassment. All you have to do is reference Me Too or Time's Up and people are on board and they know the context already. So, it's yeah, it's provided a bit of a shortcut and it, it has made it way more socially acceptable to discuss this stuff, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what a strange thing for someone in your line of work to be like, yeah, no, it's awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm like making yeah, jokes here. Yeah, that's what I mean. Are... It's kind of bittersweet. Like, <laughs> it's yeah, I wish it wasn't even a thing, but actually it's it's really good for what I'm doing. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird world we live in. What a weird world we live in where it is. It's like, well, these are all awful things, but... uh Kevin Spacey made my life easier. Like there is like made the conversation easier. What a weird position oh, to be in. So disappointed about Kevin Spacey. I love House of Cards. Yeah. But never mind. Yeah. Everybody loved House of Cards. But at least we live in a world now where people are like, eh, fuck House of Cards. Like at least yeah. we've turned that corner. Yeah, exactly. We can move no on longer. from that. We can... Right. 
10 years ago. It was kind of car crash watching as well. 10 years ago, people would have been like, "Uh, let's let it go. I like House of Cards. Like now it's the other way. Uh, Here's some of the feedback that's coming in via... um, Via our hashtag tonight, oh, someone, Molly lets us know the platypus can detect things through electroreception and has poison glands on its thighs. I hate that. That's I hate true, that. but it's only one of the, no, it's only one, of, I think it's like, it's just the female. I don't think the males do it, or the other way around. <laughs> oh, so it's just I think one of them, them is cool. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So, oh, Jamie wants to know what your uh, what, what's been your proudest moment so far in your new job. Um, I don't know if there's one moment. It just feels really good to be contributing something this important. I don't know. I guess we do this thing where kids can ask questions anonymously after our sessions, and there's some really good questions that we can answer for them. And I think that's probably the best part because they've got a safe place to ask an adult that will answer them honestly. I guess that, yeah. That goes a long way. I mean, I remember uh, just hearing just the bullet points you've already laid out about what you're talking about with kids. I remember my sex education in the late 80s and early 90s. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, right? I, I don't. Yeah. I, don't... I know a little bit about sex education in the U.S., and it's pretty grim. <laughs> well, I don't think, I mean, we're known as a puritanical lot, right? Like, I don't think we're, we're, cer- yeah. <laughs> we're certainly not known to be as open as, uh, as, as circus performers who tour Europe. Like, you know, that, that's a notoriously open culture, right? Of performers. Um, but, but it's funny. I remember when I was a kid, I grew up in a very Catholic town and I'm not kidding. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. They told us you can get pregnant through blowjobs. They told us that because they didn't want us going wow. there. So I'm telling you, I okay, thought well, that just be clear for years. That, that, yeah, let's just be clear for all the people there and podcast listeners that that's not possible. Yes, yes. <laughs> but well, this is the kind of, that's the kind of question that kids ask anonymously. <laughs> I'm sure that comes up all the time. And it must be so nice for them to have somebody who's not going to make them feel the withering shame yeah. I felt at wanting to ask a question in yeah. any of those classes. I, w- I was raised Catholic as well, but I didn't actually get a sex education at all. So Not at all? It's pretty cool to be... No, none. I don't, I don't remember being taught anything, not even plumbing, which is biology, but we yeah. call it plumbing. But I don't talk to kids about plumbing. That's, that's not my role. <laughs> Uh, my dad to this day has never had a sex talk with me. I'm 37 years old. We've never <laughs> talked about it. We've never talked about it. I think that's pretty common. Yeah. A guy I work with, apparently his dad still can't say vagina without laughing. In fact, <laughs> actually, I don't think he can say it. I think he can't say it. Yeah, I mean... Like I've... lady parts <laughs> or something. My dad will probably hear this someday, so I hope he's not embarrassed. But I will say that if I ever heard my father say the word vagina, we would both just giggle and then run in opposite directions. That would be the weirdest thing in the world for for both of us. But that would be fine. That would be okay. It would be okay. Now, I have to ask, because connecting the dots of of what you're telling us about your life, there is a transition period here that I I have a feeling I need to ask about. Because going from being a traveling performer, which is 
you know, not just a lifestyle, but like a truly an off the grid lifestyle where you're among your own. It's, uh, it's like, a, I mean, traveling performers are a specific type of people who stick together. It's a very specific lifestyle. How does one go from that to working in sex education for kids? Everybody, I know this call's cooking. You're into it. Crowd's into it. We got to pause. We got to push the pause button. We got ads coming up. Use these promo codes. Helps the show when you do. And we will be right back with more phone calls. I don't know about you, but when I think about breakfast, I think about my childhood. I take a deep breath and there's a certain smell I can still remember. There's a certain image of uh, melted butter that I can still remember. A crisp, crisp brown edge as this thing comes out of the toaster. And these are very real memories, sense memories that are making making me nostalgic and making me hungry, my friends. I'm talking about Thomas's English muffins. Love them. Always have loved them. Still love them. It's a breakfast that's worth skipping the snooze button for. I tell you that. Thomas is the only breakfast brand that delivers a -a one-of-a-kind eating experience with its original Nooks and Crannies English muffin. I'm so happy I get to be talking about these. I'm probably going to go buy a ton of these myself and relive all my good breakfast memories. There's nothing quite like that Nooks and Crannies texture. It's perfectly toasted to give you irresistibly crispy edges with a soft, warm center. Take it from a real fan. You guys can hear. These are true feelings of fondness. The secret to revealing that perfect nooks and crannies goodness every time is to gently pull your Thomas's English muffin halves apart. You can use a fork to split them. Don't use a knife though, okay? Then you're going to lightly toast each half. Top them right away with that butter, right when they come out, right when you see that crisp, those brown edges, just the tops, those peaks of those nooks and crannies. You get the butter on there right away and you just watch it just melt and pool right into those little spaces and know you're creating pockets of goodness, delicious bursts of flavor, and every warm, toasty, buttery bite. I am sprinting. I am sprinting to the uh, toaster right after this. I don't know about you, but man, what a good thing. If you have not had these, if you have not, if you have missed these in your life, I'm telling you, there's a real, real treat awaiting for you. You got to toast and butter some Thomas's Nooks and Crannies English muffins. They are truly like no other. Thanks again to all of our advertisers for helping us bring this show to the world. Now let's go back to this phone call. How does one go from that to working in sex education for kids? Um, Well, firstly, you're totally right about traveling and having a second family. Yeah, my circus family is super close and I consider them as close as my blood relatives, so... That's cool that you already have the right idea about what that life is like. Um, And I kind of, I slowly transitioned out of it. I did a few tours and then my body started to give up. Like I'm 32 and I had hip surgery already. So um, that was part of it. Um, But also I really wanted a dog. (laughs) And my family is here. And I met someone and we wanted to start a life together, but, um, yeah, wanted to try living in Australia first. And it's just super hard if you don't have a show that you're working on to be a freelance circus performer. So um, I wasn't willing to put in the time and effort to keep gigging. And also, like, every time I gig, my shoulder would hurt or my ribs would hurt or I'd pull them up, you know, like. 
it gets boring having to look after your body as your tool for work. So, I mean, I still do it. I still I do gigs here and there, but it's really nice not to be relying on it for a sole source of income. Yeah. And I think another part of it was um, doing a gig where it was it was kind of like there was no soul or heart in the show. I just did my act. I got paid really well. And then I didn't feel like I was reaching the audience or contributing to the world in any way by doing that show. And I think that was the turning point where I decided that I would rather not perform than perform shows that were a bit dead inside. <laughs> I need to be making a difference in the world. So that's about that's the height of integrity, what you just said. That's like more integrity than I've heard <laughs> most people have. Like, oh, I was pursuing artistry, but it wasn't satisfying artistically. I felt the inauthenticity of it, so decided to buckle down, uh, do something to help the future generations of people, especially tackling a topic on the thing now. Also wanted a dog. That, you know, it's, it's, also it's wanted 50% a dog. that, and it's 50% laziness. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're... you're I, you're, you're, I don't buy that. That, that is not the answer of someone who made the choice due to 50% laziness. You're the real deal. And, uh, I won't, you, I won't let you get away with that self deprecation because there's no way. Now, talk to me because well, it, it's so funny because you mentioned, you know, I've mentioned that my wife has been a part of that lifestyle. Uh, and, and you just, it, it's funny. There is a shared culture amongst uh, what you guys do because I swear you just said so many things that sound like things I've heard my wife and her friends say as far as. Well, it sounds like she's got a great community there then. Yeah, but everything you said, like the idea that the people you perform this style of performance with, are as close as your blood relatives. Um, the idea that everybody's body starts to break down young and you really... that You did a type of art, and I'd love for you to talk about this. That's a type of art that you know going into it that you are about to mess up your own body for the entertainment of others and for the sake of art. There's no escaping it. Everyone who does this aerial world is ready to blow out joints, tear up ligaments. It happens. That's a thing that everyone expects, Right. Well, I, I don't know if I expected it. Well, I think when I got into it, I thought I was invincible. <laughs> okay. Well, I was dead wrong on that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, probably some people think that, but it, you're not, that's not what you're thinking about. Like, I got into it because I sucked at school. And by the way, I'm totally with you on the math thing. I don't get it. It frustrates the hell out of me, and I just can't even bother. Thank you so um, much. There was a slight but, uh, smattering of applause, but mostly I felt a judgmental disapproval of my constant hatred of math. Nope. Nope. I'm 100% with you on that. And I don't care if it's bias or if I'm jumping to conclusions. I have no interest in understanding math at all. None. Yes. Frustrating and hard. It is. <laughs> yes. And it, I've always said this. If something is hard in life, don't do it. <laughs> Something's hard. Give up. Walk away. Don't do it. It'll work out fine, and that attitude will serve you well long term. <laughs> That's pretty similar to something I told my kids' class last night. I think I ended up saying, um, don't do anything you can't do, which, in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> don't do <laughs> but what I meant was, like, do. I'd given them this activity to, like, build human pyramids, and what I meant was don't 
do anything that you've seen on YouTube that I haven't taught you. But right. that, I'm going to write it on the wall, I think. Don't do anything you can't do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Always good advice for kids in a sexual education environment. Don't do anything you oh, can't do. Oh, no, sorry. Do. That was in my other job. No, no, that wasn't in this job. This was my other Makes other more job. sense. Was wondering was... how a human period mid factored into a sex, was sex ed class. Was wondering it. Didn't no, want to be rude, No, we don't do though. that. <laughs> so you also teach... We, no, we don't... <laughs> you also teach some movement-type classes. Uh, circus. I teach circus. You teach circus? You're yeah, cool. Yeah, well, that's what I did for my whole life. You're, so. you're one of the cool people, huh? You're a Tasmanian circus uh, performer who also educates kids. Yeah, you're cool. There's some questions coming in for you. Is it okay if I give them? Because I like a bunch of them. Please, please. S- someone wants to know, what's the strangest belief or idea a kid has had about sex works, uh, how sex works that you've had to field? Um, I don't know if this was a joke question or not, but one kid wanted to know that if you... Um, if you cut open a pregnant woman's breast, if blood or milk came out. To which I just had to keep a straight face and be like, both. <laughs> That's a good but question. I don't know if they say, you know, because they write the questions down, I don't know if they're being serious or not. Right. So like, we can choose not to answer questions, but then I'm like, you know, what if that has been plaguing this kid for five years? And I can help them out, so yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I do love... I, it, you just brought me back like, to actual sense memory of the write your random question down and how often amongst me and my dickhead friends that became a contest of who can get them to say the gnarliest thing out loud. That is a real tradition. Oh, yeah, maybe it could have been that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else asks... Uh, I like this one. Uh, are kids... Like, do kids still act like Beavis and Butthead like we all did when we were 10? Or are kids more woke now? Like, are they generally just more woke as little kids? Um, I don't really understand what woke means, but... (laughs) Okay, so let Um, me see. I'll explain it. Woke is a term that's popular in America right now, specifically in uh, the borough that we're in, Brooklyn. It's, It's the idea of just sort of, I think, being sort of like morally enlightened. It's already kind of become a thing that people, uh maybe roll their eyes at, but that is sort of an important thing. It also has some cultural stuff to it. But yeah, just our kids a little more enlightened about sex now uh, than... than Um, I have to say this before I forget. You know that ad that you have on your show about Brooklinen? Yes. Brooklinen. I only just... Yeah, I only just realized, like, last week that it's a play on Brooklinen. I just realized it right now when you said it. <laughs> I had no idea. You just blew my mind. I was in my kitchen. I was like, oh. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> Here's something someone... Anyway. Uh, oh, yes. Go for it. I didn't answer the question. Oh, what yes, I forgot. I just oh, got so yeah, embarrassed so... and wanted to move on. <laughs> um, Kids... Uh, yeah, they're a little bit giggly to start with, but because we talk explicitly, like, um, we say what's necessary. We don't really fudge around terms. Like I'll say, um, I'll say sex, porn, penis, vulva. I'll say things and like we, they come in and they know what the session's about and they're all giggling and stuff. But then as soon as you start talking in real terms, they're actually 
Firstly, I think they're a bit shocked and then they're just so genuinely interested and craving that information that they're super mature. Like most, most groups are no problem at all. I've only had a couple of high school groups where the focus just really wasn't there. And, and we, cause we have a do no harm approach, our sessions are optional. Like the kids can leave if they're feeling triggered or upset about anything or uncomfortable. And um, yeah, loads of them left. And I think we had like four kids in the class at the end that just weren't really into it. So we were like, and that's the moral of the story. Don't rape each other. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> wow, that, you really stick the landing there at the end of these <laughs> seminars. Um, someone told me, someone tweeted a thing that was really interesting to me. She said, when I was in sex ed class, they used to make us all yell vagina and penis as loud as we could until it wasn't funny anymore. It's a pretty good technique oh, wow. right there. You can use that one in Tasmania. Sure. Yeah, you can steal that sure, one. Sure, I could try that. I think we, the teachers might be a little, <laughs> um, I don't know. Now, I wonder I, what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. We're halfway through the call. We've got 30 minutes left. And when I'm looking at the questions these people are sending me, there are no less than 30 tweets saying, tell us about your dog. Yes! People want to know. Thank you. <laughs> people want to know your dog's name, the breed, favorite activities. How'd you pick the dog? There's a murmur. The crowd is a buzz, waiting for info on this sweet ass dog. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you will not be disappointed. I tell you. <laughs> um, I don't really want to say her name because. Um, I feel she has her own Instagram account. So then people would know who I am and then it could get weird and people might stalk me and like, I don't know, yeah. I'm scared of the internet. Yeah, we don't need that. Um, don't anyway, okay, so um, for like five years, my partner and I wanted a dog and it was five years before we were in a place to think about getting a dog. So we were looking at rescues and we fostered about five dogs before we decided that we were going to keep one. And then um, we tried out one rescue dog and it didn't work out. It was really sad. Um, and I cried a bunch. But yeah, anyway, moving on. So then this litter of puppies came up on Gumtree and we'd done a load of breed research and these dogs were um, a livestock guardian breed crossed with a Labrador. So we were like, sweet, it's going to be smart like a worker but food motivated and really easy to train as well. And she's super cute. So we got this seven week old puppy and we took her to school the next day <laughs> and we took her to puppy school every single week until she was year and almost, yeah, a year and a half old. And so she's super well trained. She's got loads of tricks and her name is actually from a nineties sci-fi movie and all of most of her um, verbal commands are quotes from the movie. <laughs> so that's pretty cute. People are flipping out that we don't know this name. I bet everybody's going to start guessing on this hashtag. Everybody's <laughs> going to start guessing. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I should give a clue. It could be fun. No. Okay. Oh. Um, so she's, she's quite big. She's like 40 kilos. She looks like a Labrador. 
but she's got the personality of a guardian breed. So she's an awesome guard dog. She, I tell people that she's a cat in a dog coat because she's not very cuddly um, and she's super intelligent. Like she tells us what she wants and where it is. And yeah, she's, she's amazing. She is our fur baby and life. Dogs are life. I will tell you, I've done, I mean, well over a dozen live shows now, probably closer to 20. I've never heard a crowd start whispering among themselves with opinions like they have over what you're saying about your dog. I've never heard a murmur like this happen as people are turning to each other and being like, oh, yeah, it sounds like a good Labrador mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People love a dog. I also love that. Like, I... I also love that dozens of people here tonight said, tell us about your dog, and not one of you said, tell us about your fiancé. Not one of you cared about the human in your life. Oh, no, it's cool. We hear about people all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, My dog is amazing. She, she's great. legendary, but I, you have to say, if you're going to get a livestock guardian breed, they're not amazing pets if you live, you know, you need a rural residence for those dogs. She's not a people dog at all. So we actually put a little jacket on her when we go out um, because she really hates people patting her, which is so weird. People freak out when they realize that she doesn't like being petted. That's a bummer. Unusual. But wait, so... Yeah, kind of. I didn't realize you couldn't have non-cuddly dogs. Yeah. Um, but you can. <laughs> now, you say your dog has and an I Instagram. Do. Does the, the Instagram have a, a decent following? Because you said people would find out who you were right away. You got one of these Instagram famous dogs? Not really, no. I'm in I'm Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> I think she has like about 200 followers. Wow. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's respectable. Um, oh, here's a great question. Americans love an Australian accent, which is true. Is there an accent Australians love, or do they just rest on the laurels of having a great accent? <laughs> no, not at all. I don't like the Australian accent. I think it's quite grating. Um, oh. I don't know, as a culture, if we have a We think it's the I, best. I think people quite like... Huh? Australians don't like their accent because we think it's the best. Hey, well, no, no, I speak for myself. I don't speak for Australians. Easy. No, you speak for all of Tasmania. <laughs> you represent all of Tasmania right now. Um, we love it. We, I think we think it's like super cool, sounds laid back, and has like all the charm of the British without our inherent feeling that we're being judged. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying my accent. I don't think mine's very strong. That's um, on purpose, actually. <laughs> no, it's not that strong. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're making a face. Is that what's happening right now? People are guessing. People are guessing. Uh, maybe it's Lilu or Ripley. Maybe it's from. Maybe your dog's name is from Fifth <laughs> Element. A lot of Fifth Element guesses. Gattaca. Nobody said Matrix. I'm thinking Matrix. Neo take the red pill means roll over. Someone also. Just for any other American in the crowd. I love the people who listen to this podcast. You beautiful, wonderful, supportive nerds. Someone actually already converted the kilos to pounds to let the Americans oh my God. know. Are we talking about an 88-pound dog? If that's what 40 kilos is. I don't do numbers. You know this, Chris. Come on. <laughs> it is true. There's also one math teacher in the crowd who's very mad at you and I. 
40 kilos. That's 88 pounds. That's a big dog. Yeah, she's big. Wow. Yeah. So I got yeah. a couple. We need qu- a king size bed. We need to upgrade. She doesn't fit. <laughs> um, also, there's someone. There are two Aussies in the audience who want to let the crowd know that Gumtree is their version of Craigslist. Just for everyone who's asking. Um, and thank oh, you. Oh yeah, that's true. Thank you, K Mac, yeah. for filling us in. Uh, and you're welcome I have to say, for the on taste the of home. Thing, um, that I think all Americans sound really cool because you all sound like you're in a movie and something Ooh. awesome is about to happen. We all sound like we're in a movie. That's great. I don't know what this means. Someone wants to know, what's your favorite flavor, Tim Tam? Double coat all the way. Nothing but. I don't know what Tim Tam is. Is it a drink? Okay. Well, if you ever get... No, it's a biscuit. A, a biscuit. cookie. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh... Yeah, it's like a, it's like a penguin in the UK. I don't know what the American equivalent would be, but it's like two chocolate biscuits with chocolate cream in the middle, and they do chocolate on the outside. But you shouldn't bother with the normal ones because double coat have a much better chocolate to biscuit ratio. All right, everybody's just got some Tim Tam knowledge dropped on their heads. That's it. Yeah. A lot of questions coming in about how you joined the circus. How does one join the circus? Also, a lot of people wondering, did you meet your fiancé in the circus? Uh, Okay. Shall I start with part one there? (laughs) That's up to you, my Tasmanian friend. Uh, I love that you call me friend. I had a feeling we would get on, you know? I think we're getting on. Are we getting on? Are we friends? I would say we're getting on. (laughs) Okay. That's a good start. Yeah. Like yeah. I said at the start, I was scared if I knew too much about you, it would be this weird stalker relationship. But I don't, I haven't really seen, I haven't seen the Chris Gethard show or the, That's fair. or anything I, really. I get it all. I get the. Well, I don't have a TV. It's not my fault. And also we don't get American TV. So That's anyway. That's fine. It's, um, okay. It. Sorry. Yeah. Question. Um, wow. You're being heckled by someone defending me. You're being hangled. It's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. No, I'm going to totally get into it now that I've spoken to you. But I just didn't want to actually finally manage to get on the podcast and be starstruck. No. Because then I would be like, I don't know, Chris, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> no, I love how this is going. I think you're nailing it. It's all good. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Let's sweet. start with part one. How does one join the circus? Let's go ahead and take a breath on this one. Me and you and everybody at the Bell House, let's everybody just take a breath because we got some ads to get through. Got some products, some services you're going to want to hear about. You're going to want to use those promo codes and help the show in the process. And then we'll be right back with more phone call. Hey, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a special episode of LeVar Burton Reads that's coming out this week. In his podcast, LeVar Burton, who you know, this is an iconic human being, right? Reading Rainbow, Star Trek. LeVar encourages listeners to lose themselves in a great story. Each episode features LeVar reading a hand-picked piece of short fiction. In the final episode of season two, LeVar reads the story Childfinder by Octavia Butler, hugely influential science fiction writer. In fact, Ava DuVernay is currently adapting one of Octavia's novels for TV. This episode, it's an incredibly personal and meaningful moment for LeVar, who has championed Octavia's work for a long time Tell you, LeVar Burton, entertaining guy, been entertaining all of us for a long time. Just heard him on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, killed it. Congrats on that. Be sure to listen to the season two finale of LeVar Burton Reads on Stitcher or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
Thanks to everybody who sponsors this show. Let's me put it out into the world every Tuesday. Now let's finish off this phone call. Let's Great. start with part one. How does one join the circus? Um, my mum, she said she noticed that I wasn't very good at school and that I really liked doing gymnastics. And she was like, you should go to this circus school. And I did. And then I didn't have a plan B for a career. So I just took any job that I could for about 12 months, paid, unpaid, whatever. And then I got a really good gig and that was, that was the end of it. Now, wait, let me jump in because it's, it's very funny. And I, I, there's something I, I know that I, I bet other people in the room know, but many Americans don't. You just, people started laughing because in, in America, there's a phrase like, you run off and join the circus. And that's kind of like, you went nuts and went oh off the God. grid. But you specifically said, <laughs> said uh, your mom encouraged you to go to Cirque School. I will tell you, when I did the, Edin- yeah. I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival two summers ago, and it was so rad... I didn't realize that that circus and and clowning are uh, in in the rest of the Western world. Those are huge pieces of entertainment that I don't think are as big in the states. And going to circus school is actually those are very. There are many very very high end competitive schools, and that's like as legit yeah, as are. much. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think it's too competitive now, and I think like having a qualification from a circus school is not really enough to get a job anymore because so many people have it. And it doesn't really mean that you're um, either highly skilled or easy to work with. And being easy to work with is way more important in circus if you're touring, yeah. for sure. But I love Edinburgh. And, you know, I think maybe we might have been at the same festival at some point. I might and have I seen your show you then. Because my wife was there with and me and she took me to all the aerial shows. I might have seen you. Quite possibly. Were you in that, <laughs> that one? Fun. Were you in that one that was in the church with all the poles bending over? Well, look, I can't say, can I? Because then people will stalk me online. Oh, I want to know so like, bad. What a small goddamn world that there's a decent percent I chance was, that I look, saw your I show. Was, I was in the show that you really, really loved and thought was the most amazing thing that you've ever seen in your life, okay? Wow, congratulations. That show was great. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sorry that I missed you. I'm sorry I didn't know that you existed at that point. <laughs> no, that's okay. So wait, so you went to school for it. Did you go, can I ask, I don't, and if you're not comfortable, if you think this is too much, I know one of the big ones, is it Lecoq? Lecoq, yeah. Lecoq. Uh, and no, I didn't go to Lecoq. Is that, that's yeah, the see, one? Yeah, see, there I, re- I go with the innuendo again. You could have taken it there. <laughs> no, wait, Lecoq is like, that, that's one of the big dog circus schools, right? Uh, it's clowning, actually. Oh, it's more clowning, right. I have noticed that many like people I talk to from that world who have been there tend to drop it in the same way that you might drop Harvard or Yale. They seem really into the fact yeah. that they went there. Yeah. Why are we getting yeah, Lecoq hey, is pretty huge. Message from me to you, Lecoq graduates, via my podcast. Get off the high horse. <laughs> Taking down the Lecoq clowning school. Uh, how did you like it's your... hardcore, though. Oh, yeah, Everybody no. cries when they go there. Those people <laughs> work their asses off, and kudos to all of them for putting in the work. I was just kidding. Um, so w- w- what's, it like, what's it like going from being... Because I would imagine, like, you're very into gymnastics. Your mom sees this, wants to send you to this world. All of a sudden, you go from being the kid who's bad at school but is uh, good at this outlier thing to an environment where everybody else is also good at the outlier things. That must be a huge culture shock as a kid. Really, I think because gymnastics was my life before I went to circus school, and I wasn't very good at it actually. Um, but thankfully, 
when I got on a trapeze, it all made sense because my flaws in gymnastics were um, positive things for Ariel. Um, and it was kind of the same environment. Like the circus school was very much a sport training facility kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I didn't, I don't think I did great during school. Um, I had a really bad attitude to training and I think I held myself back a lot just with a shitty attitude. But when I started getting out into the world and having to work for it and well, you would know as an artist, you have to plug yourself and beat yourself up a little bit, but then you do that for so long and then you get some jobs and you start to believe that you are actually good at what you do. And then somewhere along the line, my attitude changed and now I have excellent self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always a good turn to take. That's always a good turn to take. So you went to school for it? Yeah. Grinded it out, just like everybody. Found your gigs. Went. To, it sounds like you did the traditional go to Edinburgh, put on shows, try to find producers, see how it goes, right? That's what that's, uh, that's, what that's for, right? Uh, kind of, not really. I went to Edinburgh with a show. I already had a gig. I'm wrong about but everything I started in tonight. traditional circus. Almost oh, every... okay. I'm... No, it's, I'm striking out. <laughs> I'm just taking some big swings and uh, whiffs. That's okay. No, I, I, like I said, I got lucky really early on in my contract. Like, I left Australia. I think it was important to get out of Australia because, like I said, the market is a little bit saturated with circus school graduates. So I took a job in India and I worked on a trad circus there, like a big top elephants kind of deal and then after that i got a contract around europe and then that was it i stayed with that company for like eight years wow and traveling around and you said you were in a big top that's like pack up the tent at night get in the caravan yeah. we're all heading to the next spot together yeah. like real deal circus life yeah that's cool yeah. just what you imagine from the storybooks it was the best yeah so you guys roll into town and you're like living on the edge of town, putting on shows like the old times. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I miss it sometimes. Now I, I miss my friends. That's what I miss. I'm remembering now. And you don't have to say if it was you. I, <laughs> I saw an Australian company at Edinburgh. Nope. Uh-uh. Do you know the one I mean, though? Uh, maybe. It was called I like Simple Stage or something company. like that. It was called Simple Stage. And they had this motherfucker that could just, his whole act was he could just jump farther than anybody you ever saw. And it was the most impressive <laughs> thing in the world. He would just jump a little bit and you'd be like, I could jump that far. And then he'd jump a little bit farther and you'd be like, yeah, but he's trained for this. That's not that far. And then he'd jump again and you'd be like, this is starting to feel a little freaky, man. And then he'd jump again and you'd be like, this man is going to die in front of me. This doesn't make sense. And then he'd jump again and you'd be like, I feel like I'm on drugs. What the fuck is happening? How is he jumping that far? That's what I love about circus. It can do that. Uh, I'll tell you my favorite YouTube video. Uh-huh. And then I'll tell it's you mine. Kind of, it's really... Okay, that would be awesome. I'm always after good mm -hmm. ones. Um, so this one, it's pretty grainy, like the video is not great, but there is a goat with all four hooves in a teacup, which is on a tightrope, and on top of the goat's head is a monkey doing a handstand. It's the best. 
That sounds incredible. People in the crowd are yelling, yes, they have seen it. Some of them have seen it. I'll tell you, my favorite YouTube video. It's so good. I love that someone thought to do that. Yeah, they I mean, were like, yeah, this goat on a tie wire thing is great, but I've got a great idea. Bring me that monkey. <laughs> go to, go, oh, there are these fucking people, and I already have it. Someone's already handing me their phone so I can watch <laughs> it. Oh, my God. Oh, it's pretty long-winded. Yeah, you might want to skip to the end because it goes on a bit. I'm telling you, too. It's, but a it's amazing. That's goat. what I love about the circus. You're going to see stuff that you will never see ever again in real life. This is not a small goat. This is no. an impressive act. And just for anybody who might be listening, if you're looking for the name of it, it's easy to remember. A monkey on a goat on a cup on a tightrope. That's the name of the video in question. Oh, it's going up on the cup. It's going up on the cup. We got two legs on the cup. And the monkey's on the goat. And the goat has those big horns. That's not some bullshit petting, petting zoo goat right there. They, they got that goat from, like, the top of a mountain. Whoa. I mean, what is this podcast? What is this? You're now it's listening to a man watch a YouTube video on a stranger's phone. It's got all four things on the cup. All four legs on the cup. They're zooming in. How is this real? The monkey's on its head. Okay, so my favorite YouTube that was, video... That was pretty much my reaction. <laughs> my favorite YouTube video is called Drunk Ewoks on the Today Show. If you've never seen it, it's a Halloween-themed uh, oh bit God. with Al Roker. They hire two little people actors to play Ewoks. I've always in my mind filled in the blanks that the actors got together and they're like, I can't believe they're making us play Ewoks again. Fuck this shit. Let's do some shots. They're visibly drunk. They ruined the whole thing on purpose. It's on live television. It's a huge inspiration oh for the Chris Gethard show to make something that good happen in the world. One of them does the worm on the ground, the breakdancing move, then stands up, <laughs> spins around, runs over, and humps Al Roker's leg. It's the greatest video. Wow. It's the greatest piece of comedy that's ever happened in human history. You can look that one up. Okay, if you want to go watch that... Goal. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, if you want to watch it now, I'll listen to you watch my video as well. <laughs> I would love to do that. I'm just so scared to do anything on my phone right now in case I no, hang up. On... I understand. I'm but scared. Do make sure you watch it. It's a true delight. We have yeah. 10 minutes left. I don't want to miss since the question's been asked. Did you meet your fiancé in the circus? Yes. You did? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I did. Two circus performers. We actually... we. We toured. Well, no, he's not a circus performer. Oh, he's not a performer. He, no, no, no. He's a um, composer. Oh, a composer. Look at that. Yeah. Well, I was, he was MD at that point, but yeah. Um. So yeah, we were we toured together for three years before we actually hooked up, and um, he only made a move because I was flying back to Australia in four days' time. So it was like. Not very risky for him. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we had four days as a couple after three years of friendship. And then I got on a plane to Australia with no intention of coming back. And we just kept in touch. And then a month after I'd been there, he was sort of like, so I could book a flight and come see you. And wow. I was like, yeah, that could be nice. And then he came out and... The rest is sort of history. The, the circus invited both of us back the next year, and 
because we both had a job, it was pretty no. good plan to stay working, stay together. That's really, I tell you, I think that's really cute because reading between the lines, it sounds like this guy had a crush on you for a real long time. And then with, yeah. four, with four days left, he's like, I gotta make the fucking move. Like, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta get up the guts and make the move. She's leaving. I can't. Like, do you know, did he have any like drunken heart to hearts with friends that were like, I just I don't want her to go. And they're like, you gotta go for it, man. I think he had one of those with <laughs> one of his friends, yeah. But That's I think, because he, he said to me like in the first year when we were touring together, I had another boyfriend and um, he didn't like me at that point because he w- he couldn't understand how I was so like girly and weird and infatuated and stuff. So yeah, and then he wasn't on the tour for the second year, um, but we sort of kept in touch. And then on the third year, we were touring together, and I think it was the second half of the third tour that he was like, "Okay, I got to sort out my feelings," and I was just freaking out like I had so much relationship baggage by that point that um I was just really enjoying his friendship and I knew that I felt pretty strongly about him but I didn't want to jeopardize our amazing friendship so yeah it kind of happened organically a little bit but yeah I'm pretty lucky like I knew him really well before we actually hooked up and yeah that's always I trust nice. him a lot was your trapeze act set to music he composed? Um, on one of our shows it was, but he played it. He played it? Yeah. Looked and then cool. we did another show in Finland together, and he composed the song that I used for that, and that was really beautiful and nice. And were you guys – has there ever been a point when you've already been – since you've been together that you've performed to his music? No, actually, oh, actually, recently, yeah, I did this like stupid spoof of X Factor, and he wrote the theme tune for that. But <laughs> it wasn't like any deep, meaningful "I love you" kind of stuff. <laughs> it was a cheesy TV <laughs> theme tune. But that's but still nice. I get to do that. Chris Gethard show. My wife is the band leader, and I get to like. Hear... Ah, you would understand this totally. Then I know. That's why I'm asking because it's like the coolest thing in the world. I like hear the theme yeah, song and it's, it's like so helpful yeah and it's like not only is this the theme talk to my show but the person i love the most in the world wrote it like it's such a secret source of strength you know yeah yeah it's wicked yeah he's written awesome. one song for me and one song about me and both of them i'm the only person that knows he wrote both one song of them, like wait you said he wrote one song with you and one song about you one song for me oh. and one song about me that's awesome my wife, was in yeah. a, my wife was in a band that I was a fan of for many years before I'd ever met her. Um, and they put out... Oh my gosh, that's so cool. It's the coolest. You had hero worship then. I haven't mentioned it because I don't want to make her feel weird. She's here tonight and she's almost definitely blushing that I'm gu- just standing on a stage gushing this much. <laughs> but yeah, she, I was like a genuine huge fan of her band. And then we got together and she put out a new album where most of the songs were about me and I still can't get over it. Oh my gosh. I yeah. still can't get over yeah. it. And then you have to reconcile the fact that you're never going to get over it with the fact that other people were like, oh, yeah, that was a cool song five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, I'm with you. There's a, there's a song by the band The Unlovables called Verrazano, and it's about how we got engaged on the Verrazano Bridge. How about that? Oh, I have to look that up, too. But I like, that's like, my wife plays music and has to look over at me on the Gethard show, and it's like me getting dunked in ice water. Your fiance gets to write this beautiful music and then watch you convert it into like beautiful physical movement happening in the sky. That's a, probably a better oh, deal for him than she has sometimes. with me. That's cool. Sometimes, but he knows, he knows behind the scenes. They put a microphone on me once. It was the worst idea ever. What? I was like, oh, oh my God, whoops. All over the place. So, so when we watch aerialists, they're high up. We can and it just looks to us like this fluid, daring, beautiful uh, movement. <laughs> and you're just up there, like fuck, yeah. motherfucker, like oh fuck, son of a bitch. Yeah, but we do all of it with a smile on our face. <laughs> that's the number one thing they teach. And that's at the real school, trick. Huh? Look at that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. When are you getting married? Um, when we win the lottery. <laughs> What's that? Probably never. Probably never. Uh, when we win the lottery, well, it's money. Like, it costs money. He's from the other side of the world, so we have to do two and, like, uh, yeah. yeah. It's already, like, we have to, we don't have any savings because we have to keep flying between countries every second year. So, like, you just start to get ahead and then you go and see the other family and it's back to financial square zero, which is how we choose our life, so it's not something to complain about but yeah that's a bummer and i would bet it gets kind of political right like however big you go on the wedding on one side of the world you kind of have to match that on the other yeah exactly people are going to see pictures when we got engaged we spoke for ages about how to do it and we like sorted out this plan where we would do the um i think we were going to announce them at the same time and we were going to do them close together so if people wanted to travel between they could and then one of them was going to be bigger, but the other one was going to be smaller, but with the actual legalities. And then, yeah, oh, my God, it was a big nightmare. So it's all on the back burner, I guess, until money comes into our lives. This is going to sound like so, a facetious question, but it, it's, I mean it seriously. Have you thought about doing it in a neutral location so it's a pain in the ass for everybody? <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. We did think about, like, Thailand or Bali or something like that. Um, but there are certain members of both families that can't travel due to health reasons. Ah, so. yeah. That's a bummer. That's a veto on that one. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, well, he doesn't really believe in marriage anyway. We're, um, <laughs> we, we, I want to get married because I want to party, basically. So I had to convince him that it was worthwhile. So he has a full A4 sheet of paper of reasons why we're going to get married. But mostly I convinced him because it's the next of kin thing. Like legally, if something happened to one or the other of us, the marriage certificate helps. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we've got two minutes left. And, uh, oh my golly gosh. So anything, anything you feel like we haven't put on the record yet, now's the time. Whoa. I don't know. There's so much. I wanted to ask you loads of questions as well. I found out a little bit more about the Chris Gethard show today, about being dunked in water. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to look that up. That was actually through my wife's um, friends who were aerialists. We brought in all the people who used to do the rigging on her shows, and they rigged me up to the ceiling. It all ties oh, in. It all ties in. At least in. you know you were safe then. Yeah, I was extremely safe, although totally out of my element and scared the whole time. 
Yeah, lots of us are too. <laughs> well, what can you do? What can you do? Someone's saying, uh, people are saying, have you thought about eloping? Have you guys thought about just running off and doing it? Or is that not your thing? Yeah, I wanted to go to Vegas and do the whole Elvis thing with another set of friends of ours. Um, but then we both actually want all our friends around because we do care about what they think as well. <laughs> it would be nice. It's an excuse for a party. I want to get them all together. Well, I'll tell you on my I want end, a party. I'm a registered reverend and I've been looking for an excuse to go to Australia. <gasps> so. Please come to Australia. That would be the best. Say the word. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to get into yeah, the Melbourne if, Comedy Festival so I can get out there. Maybe I'll swing by and uh, perform the Holy Rites of Matrimony. I'm, not, I'm on my way. That would be excellent. I would have to tell my partner who you are. <laughs> Although, actually, he probably wouldn't care, to be honest. So, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> we'll have to keep it on the lowdown if we do it soon, though, because the other side of the world can't know about it because then they'll get jealous that we didn't do it there first and blah, blah, blah. Understood. I'll, anyway. I could keep us here. We have 20 seconds left. I'm glad that this oh ends with me feeling vaguely bad about my career. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, you're awesome. And I have to say thank you in the last little bit. Thanks for filling up my washing up in the morning with entertainment. And yeah, I love your style. And I'm super happy I got to meet you kind of. Touch you on the phone. Yeah, it's been wicked. You're legend. Caller, thanks for calling on the other side of planet Earth, letting me know about your life of adventure and your, and your new life. Responsibility, what a cool thing. What a cool life you've lived. And I hope you continue to live for many years. And thank you for connecting with me on the other side of the planet, reminding me that maybe, maybe people everywhere have more in common than they do differences. Thank you to the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York for hosting us all those weeks, letting us do it. Thanks to everybody who came out to that show. Such a warm, friendly crowd. Thanks to Jared O'Connell, Harry Nelson. Thanks to Justin Linville, who was there those nights, helping to hold it down. Thanks to John Delore, Greta Cohn, Shell Shack. I'm getting out on the road again, starting in a couple months. Talking Minneapolis, St. Louis, Bloomington, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois. Got dates. Go to chrisgeth.com. They're all there. I'd love to meet you. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Really helps the show when you do. See you next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Here is a breakfast I always get out of bed for. Thomas's original nooks and crannies English muffins. Who doesn't love these things? Popping out of the toaster. They, Thomas's... Original Nooks and Crannies English muffins make the sound. I have Pavlovian reactions to the sound of a toaster ejection because I can see them in my mind coming out my whole life. Nothing quite like that irresistible Nooks and Cranny texture, perfectly toasted, crispy edges, soft, warm center. How that butter pools inside those little Nooks and Crannies. It's amazing. It's good to look at and it's even better to taste. Delicious burst of flavor in every warm, toasty, buttery bite. Thomas's Nooks and Crannies English muffins, truly like no other. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, a very pleasant chat that drops a few bombs. So you had been doing theater, been doing modeling, moved to a new city, traumatic relationship, meet this new guy who seems like a pretty good dude, but before you even are locked in and knowing that for sure, boom, life change. Yeah, definitely. 
And FYI, to all these ladies out there, I was on birth control when I got pregnant, so you got to be careful. Whoa. Put that reminder in your phone because... (laughs) Like I said, I was kind of like a free bird, and I was like kind of like whatever. I had been on like, I've been on birth control for like years, and I was like, I'm never gonna get pregnant. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. It's Jessica St. Clair and Lennon Parham here. If you haven't listened to Womp It Up, we've got all brand new episodes. They're airing weekly. Chances are there's about 20,000 episodes for you to listen to on your drive. We've got some of the best comedians in the biz on playing amazing characters. Casey Wilson. Rob Hubel. Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Mary Holland. Nick Kroll. Brian Husky. How about Andy Daly? And that's just to name a few. Please join us every week for a new episode of Womp It Up and watch as the Womplerverse expands before your eyes. Hashtag turn around. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.